Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Somos Mas, the official podcast of Somos Mas and M, and your source for latest news and notes on New Mexico United. My name, of course, is Seth Bidoff. Thank you guys so much for joining us as we do each and every week here over on YouTube. Joining me tonight, as always, we have Jacob Terrell, Earl Nieto. Guys, so much to get to. we got a lot to talk about. Uh, U.S. soccer has some news out today. Um International break is over. Clubs are getting back into the swing of things. Premier League went back in action this weekend. So did the Bundesliga and some other things and some other stuff. Ronaldo, Cristiano Ronaldo made his debut for Manchester United. Uh, made his UCL debut for them today as well. A lot of stuff going on before we and do on get top into of that, show. on top of all that, Everton still sucks. Everton is top of the table. I mean, not technically a you know, goal differential and all that, but we are tied for top of the table. So I don't want to hear it. Um, Not to burst your bubble there, Seth, but weren't you at or near the top of the table after a couple of weeks last year too? <laughs> I can either confirm yes. or deny that fact. <laughs> okay. and, uh, just, just wondering. Just wondering I, if I, I, will, I will say, I will say that I arguably, I believe that we are better right now. We're playing better right now than we did last year. Now, to be fair, we haven't played Liverpool, we haven't played City, we haven't played anybody, we haven't you know played anybody else in the you know, from the from the big six yet, but we've been playing well. Uh, you know we've sc- you know we've scored multiple goals uh, in all but one match, so a lot of good things. Looking forward uh, to this season with Everton. I'm gonna watch the I'm gonna watch the match from this weekend night when we get done. <laughs> uh, but this is this is the only time I condone that activity here. <laughs> I will say this. At least I'm not an Arsenal fan. So They did yeah. win this week, unfortunately. Yeah, that is unfortunate. But, uh, you know, man, you losing anyways, in, in anyways. UCL, that's fun. But. Earl, we know that you like the Bundesliga better. Or at least you claim to. I don't know if you watch it or not. Um, have you watched any Dortmund? I really need you to watch Dortmund play. Because they are right. possibly the funnest team to watch play in any league right now because so, they, they their games they have no defense and they have an amazing offense so it's it's kind of like the seven less, seconds or less suns where it's just goal after goal after goal and no defense whatsoever so they went four to three and uh yeah it was just an entertaining game so here's the thing um i haven't watched bundesliga since covid because that was my main reason for getting into bundesliga was a freaking crowd where it was a party it's back Andy. though. Is it's the back crowd though. Factor? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So oh yeah. I think some. I think I'm they're in. not at full capacity, but yeah. No. Crowd oh no, factor. they're they're at full capacity. Dortmund right. was at least. I know there were a few that were at like fifty or sixty percent, but yeah, no. See, crowds are back. It sounds fantastic. I remember the first Bundesliga matches I watched, and they had to pause the match for forty-five freaking minutes because the crowd in the supporter section in the corner of it was Bayern set the freaking stadium on fire. It's amazing. All right, we haven't even gotten to the burning question yet. So hashtag sports. <laughs> That's a great thing about sports, man. So I'm gonna no. I'm gonna cut all of us off about Premier League and European soccer, unless the question's about European soccer. But um, no, no, it's what do you have for us, Seth? So NFL Week One in the books. We had a lot of stuff going on. USL, uh, MLS. Uh, you know, NFL, all sorts of stuff happening this weekend. What is your takeaway? My burning question, what is your takeaway from this weekend? 
I love Cooper. I love Cooper Cup. <laughs> and let me tell you why I love Cooper Cup, my friends. Because I'm in a $130 buy-in fantasy league for some unknown reason that if my wife knew when I first agreed to it, I would never be in it. But she agreed because I basically already was in it last year and whatever. And I was down by 30 points going into Sunday night. And I had Cooper Cup and he had Allen Robinson. And somehow, because Cooper Cup's a little madman, I won. And I will forever love Cooper Cup just because of that. <laughs> All right, kids. Here's my here's my takeaway from week one. Baker freaking Mayfield. Lost. Even though he lost, he lost by, <laughs> what was it, three, four points? Uh, yeah. yeah. In a game where they had the lead, basically the whole game, and he couldn't hold on to it at the end. In a game that they just needed to put one drive together, get one first down, and he oh couldn't my. do that. Hey, 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 it's my turn for my terrible hot take. Fair. Fair. No, that's, at that's least you actually... admit that it's terrible. At least you admit that it's terrible. So that's actually not my that's actually not my takeaway. My takeaway is no matter who the hell Matt Nagy has as quarterback, he's still fucked. Matt Nagy or the QB? Both he's fucked. <laughs> Both of them. Because God, Matt Nagy cannot coach a freaking game if it was high school. It was a very entertaining week one, I will give you that. Uh, we saw some some crazy surprises. New Orleans beating Green Bay thirty eight to three. Uh, the game last night where they lost the Ravens lost twice essentially. Uh, it was madness in overtime. Um, the Bills losing Arizona looking like world beaters. Granted, it was against Tennessee, and I don't know how well that's going to go. Uh, Jalen Hurts Dallas, looking great. Dallas still sucks. Yeah, yeah, I forgot we haven't talked since then. Um, Dallas, Dallas's offense looks really good. Um, they were given a couple gifts in the form of turnovers inside their own red zone. So, uh, but, okay. but yeah, I'm... Dallas's offense will now look like shit, and they'll be back to what they're used to because Lyle Collins, who's our right tackle at the point at the moment, is out for five to six. Is out for five weeks. For performance and drugs. drugs or some yeah. bullshit. Yeah. yeah. So Good once job, again, Dallas. Cowboys are fucked. That's okay. That, you know, that game was a lot closer than I thought it was going to be. Me too. I did not expect Dallas to put up 28 points. I thought their offense could. Um, the defense for Tampa just didn't look as good as I think it will at the end of the year. And it doesn't help that we had two starting secondary members go out in the first quarter. So take that for what it's worth. But I, I think the Dallas offense will still be good. I think Zeke is done. I wouldn't expect much out of him. But as far as Dak and the receivers, um, I think they'll they'll be able to put up some numbers, much like last year at the beginning of the year before Dak got hurt, where he was putting up 500 yards a, a game and still losing. I think you could see some of that this year. And... Um, yeah, the defense did look better, though. The defense looked better than than what I think it, what I thought it was going to, and they forced two fantastic fumbles. The interceptions are are one was a hail mary, and one went through the fingers of a player. So, 
can't count on that. But the two fumble for, fumbles forced were very nice. So uh, I'll give them a little bit of credit and think that maybe they have a chance of winning that division, which kind of just says how bad that division is. Um, unless Philadelphia is for real, then then you guys, Philadelphia's going to run away with it. But so it'll be between, we're not going to overrun. It'll be overreact. between Dallas and Philadelphia, that's for sure. Um, I don't see Washington doing anything unless they sign Cam Newton. Um, but Fitz Magic is out for what six to eight weeks or something like that. With the oh, they put him on IR. I don't think something. they gave him designation to. I don't think they even gave him designation to return. I think no, they done. did. No, they did. Oh. They did. Okay. Yeah, he's out six to eight weeks. Okay, because I and saw that, the I saw the IR designation, but I didn't see that they put it. Uh, well, and the and the IR is different this year, so the IR basically just means you're out three games. Period. It's not like last year where it was only. <clears throat> You could designate one player to put on IR to return. It, it's not like that anymore. It's IR is it's basically like the ten day disabled list for baseball. Injured list, not disabled. You can't say disabled list anymore. It's injured. Oh my list. gosh. <laughs> yeah, so we're not, how did we do? We're not trying to get how did we do? How did we do on our questions? All right, good, good, good question. Um, so we talked about it a little bit Sunday afternoon. I was waiting for the late games to update. Uh, so. I didn't tell you guys this, but I was talking to Tyler, Tyler Ortega, friend of the show, after after the show last week, and uh, I asked him the first of all how he felt about Dallas against uh, against Tampa, and he said he didn't feel good about it. I said, "Well, hey, do you want to join us on our pick'em?" And uh, Tyler is going to be competing along with us uh, for the rest of the season. So Tyler Ortega. Uh, yeah, so looking at our at our week one scores, none of us actually really did very good at all. Uh, Jacob, you did nail question number one, first penalty called false start. Uh, so you picked up a point for that. Uh, more interceptions, Dak or Jameis. You went Dak. The rest of us went Jameis. Of course, Dak had, Dak had one. Jameis had, Zero. Did have one. He had one, but it was called off to do the penalty flag. It's not in the box score, buddy. It's not in the box score. <laughs> so, two Jacob points for me. Point there. Uh, our prediction on which division allows the most points, and none of us got that right. Uh, that wasn't one wasn't even close. I feel like I, I feel like I should get half a point because out of the ones that we did pick, I was the worst. But, <laughs> but whatever, it's okay. Uh, best QBR after week one, of course, we uh, we said Brady and Rodgers. And uh, Brady didn't have a bad week. His, his was pretty good. Like 60-something. Yeah. Rodgers was, Rogers was terrible. His was terrible. But uh, Pat Mahomes did, pulled that one out. How did nobody take Mahomes? What the hell's wrong with this? <laughs> I just I figured Rodgers against the Saints D. The Saints D is not good. bad, though. Well, I no, figured but, I mean, Rodgers' revenge Rogers. rally is what yeah. I called. But yeah, Rodgers did not look good on Sunday at all. So here's the crazy part about that stat for Rodgers. If you get every if you take every pass and you spike it in the ground, you're averaging like 38.3%. Rodgers was at 33.2%. <laughs> you know what I heard though? And what I, I, I heard it and then I looked it up to verify it. He had a worse QBR last year against Tampa Bay than he did this against week in week one, just this year though. So he has these shitty games in him. Um, yeah. We just didn't expect it to be week one. So that'll be interesting. Looking forward. Yeah. Uh, all right. Final regular question. Is there, will there be a special teams touchdown? And if so, by who? Uh, so Jacob, you did say there would be one. And I was you right. Didn't get the, you didn't get the team right. So I did give you half a point there. 
I'll take uh, half a point. <laughs> no one else got any points on that question. And then the bonus question, Monday night football, uh, fi- total combined points between the two teams. Uh, all three of us, well, three of us went uh, 30 to 45 points. Earl was the only one that went greater than 45. So Earl picked up two points there. So Jacob, you're going to yes. leave with two and a half. Earl, you can, got two points. Can we talk about how bu- much bullshit this is? That <laughs> Earl got one question right, <laughs> and I got two and a half, and he's up half a point behind me? What the hell? Would you like to file a complaint with the league commissioner? No, because you're the league commissioner, and you'll say <laughs> second, so I don't care. Exactly. So your, your complaint has been lodged and denied, so. Uh, moving on to our week two pick on week number two. Uh, question wait. number one, which team will score the fewest number of points in week two? Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> so I don't know if you guys have your schedules pulled up or not, um, but I, I was looking at them earlier. I was trying to get an idea of what, you know, what questions to ask, and I'm going Falcons. There were a number of teams that did not play well at all on Sunday. We're going to the Bears Giants. Struggled. The Gi- Green Bay, you're going to the Giants. Okay. Yeah, they're playing a, a good Washington defense in Washington on Thursday night. Uh, that just short week, that just screams the offense is going to suck. Because offense sucks anyways. So thinking that's not going to end well for the Giants. No, probably not. Early, I, yeah, I love the... The the self-hatred that you have going on there, picking the Falcons <laughs> as a Falcons fan, that makes me feel good. Yeah, I, yeah. Oh, man, I was, you know, I, I had my concerns coming into the season because the Ravens only, or the Falcons about the Falcons. Yeah, because not only did have we screwed ourselves over cap wise, we did not play any of our starters at all in the preseason which I thought was a terrible idea. Now, I don't care about preseason results, but I need to see the guys on the field working on that chemistry, working on the timing, figuring their shit out. And that didn't happen. And outside of the first 13 and a half minutes of the game on on Sunday, we played like complete utter crap. So, you know, I thought we were going to run for 400 yards with the way we played in the first quarter. I have Jalen Hurts on my fantasy team, so I was happy. Yeah. yeah. Oh, your team. Jacksonville. Jacksonville. Okay. Right. So that Jacksonville is a, is a whole other conversation there. Uh, I know there's a lot of folks that are concerned about Urban Meyer. Uh, does he see out the season? They're, they've been concerned yeah. about that before they even played a game. Well, no, so, I get that. but Is that one of I our questions? That. That can't no, be one of our no, questions. No. I, I, let me ask you this. Speaking of Urban Meyer, do the does Jacksonville pull a, a USC? No. And fire Urban Meyer before no. this he even gets a chance? No, not yet. No? Okay. No. I was just curious, you know, Clay no. Helton obviously got fired by USC after two games this season. Urban Meyer will see at record. least Urban Meyer will see at least three years. That's ballsy. I think I think he'll quit after this one if it doesn't go well. <laughs> he'll have a heart attack <laughs> he's gonna he's gonna resign for health conditions hey i can say that because i am an ohio state fan yeah there you go who also should all right why are you admitting that <laughs> they, they did they, ohio state did of all the times to admit that why this week after they <laughs> lose i don't understand 
I've always been an Ohio Anyways, State fan. Next, next question. Next Questions. question. Question number two. Week one, we saw eight away teams pick up victories. How many win this week? You're asking Dude. questions that require way too much research. <laughs> Who are the away teams? Do your research. <laughs> away teams this week. Let me pull that back. I had it up. I, I jumped over to NFLFantasy.com. My NFL, my fantasy teams did not do well this week, but that's neither here nor there at this point. You know, I'm, I'm gonna make it. I'm gonna bounce back in week two. All right. So your away teams this week. We have Thursday night. We've got uh, Giants at Washington, Cincinnati, uh, Cincinnati, Houston, Los Angeles, Buffalo, New England, San Francisco, Los Angeles, New Orleans, Denver, Minnesota, Atlanta, Dallas, Tennessee, Kansas City, and Detroit. Those are your away teams this week. I'd say seven. Seven? Okay. Six. Or else I go six. All right, I'm gonna say five. Oh, I yes, you did. I, I love. I do. <laughs> I I think Seven, this week six, is gonna five. be. I think this week is gonna be terrible for away teams. I really and truly do. Um, which kind of leads into uh, the next question. Uh, oh, where'd it go? Where's my question? Oh, never mind. I'll, I'll save that one for last. That's our bonus question. All right. Which quarterback has the best pass completion percentage between Derek Carr, Matt Ryan, and Ryan Tannehill? They all three finished within a percentage point of each other this week. They all finished between 60 and 61%. Derek Carr, of course, will play against... uh, Steelers. Steelers. Matt Ryan, of course, plays against Tampa Bay. And then uh, Ryan Tannehill plays against Buffalo. Ryan Tannehill plays against the Seahawks. Wait, that's right. You right. Yeah, that is correct. Matt Ryan. I would say Tannehill. Uh, I'm saying, uh, what's his fucking name? The first guy. Yeah, Carr. Carr, that guy. Tannehill. Alright, so Tannehill for Jacob. Car for Earl. Yeah, looking at those matchups, I gotta go car. I gotta go car because I do not trust. You are dumb. I don't trust <laughs> Matt Ryan against Tampa Bay. I don't. I don't like. I don't trust. I don't like. I don't like the Falcons' offense right now. Well, okay, to be fair, you gave us three shitty options this week. Because, that was the point. Because Car goes up against the Steelers, who. Their offense looked like shit, but their defense was absolutely incredible. So I just went with the quarterback facing the best or the worst defense there. And I think the Seahawks, <laughs> while not a bad defense, are not near the Pittsburgh Tampa Bay type. So I mean that's a that's a good argument there. I mean you could you could definitely you know look at it that way. So I mean and that was what I tried to do. I tried to make it tough. You know, you got three quarterbacks who struggled in week one to an extent, you know, going up against good defenses. Mm. So all right, uh, week one, four players rushed for 100 yards. Mixon, Mitchell, Melvin Gordon, or uh, or Harris. Do any of those players do it again in week two? Which Gordon. Harris ran for 100 yards? Najee. Najee, Najee didn't run yeah. for 100 yards. 
uh, Damian Harris for. Uh, oh, okay. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. yeah do Mixon, any of them? Do any of them do it again? Is yeah. Another question. Yeah. Which of those four will do it again? Wait, those four? Yeah, those four. Joe Mixon, Elijah Mitchell, Melvin Gordon, or Damian Harris. Who's playing Dallas? <laughs> None of them. Who does Melvin Gordon play? Let's see. Denver plays Jacksonville this weekend. Earl. Melvin Gordon. I'm going to say none of them do. None of them. Okay. I actually like uh, uh, Mitchell against uh, Philly. Oh, you're Philly gave up Philly. Philly Philly gave up some grounds, some yards on the ground on Sunday. Eighty-six yards in the first quarter alone. So, but then they woke up, and that's all they got. Well, no, then. Atlanta was behind, so they couldn't run yeah. because they were behind. Yeah, that's exactly it. All right, so you said Gordon. I went Mitchell. Jacob says none of them. All right, question number five. Does Aaron Rodgers get pulled for Jordan Love this week? No. <laughs> no. no? Well, wait, 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 wait. No. No, they play the Lions on Monday night. There's no way. There's no way now. Green, uh, Detroit lost. Last week, while putting up, what was it, 40, 38 points? 33, but yeah. 33, yeah. No, he yeah. doesn't get pulled. No? Okay. No. The key, you said, this, you said the answer right there. Detroit lost, and they scored 33 points. <laughs> they lost because they gave up 41. Their Green defense Bay is lost terrible. Because Aaron Rodgers played like shit. Yeah, but he... <laughs> I'm gonna, <laughs> I'm gonna trust a. I'm gonna say that two things. One, the Lions' defense is a lot worse than the Saints' defense, and two, Aaron, I'm gonna trust Aaron Rodgers' twenty years of, of good games to one bad game to start the season. So, no, he doesn't get pulled unless the only way he's gonna get pulled is if they're winning forty-one to nothing, and I don't think that's gonna happen either. So, no, he does not get pulled. <laughs> okay. All right. I think I think that might be a no from all of us uh, there, but you know, it, it would be interesting to see what happens if Aaron Rodgers does not perform well again. And uh, you know, the Green Bay could be in a in a situation in week three if if Aaron Rodgers has two terrible games to start the season. So who knows? And on to our bonus question for the week. AFC and NFC West both finished undefeated after week one. Which division of these two stays that way, if either of them? None. None? Okay. I don't know who they play, but there's no way those two... uh... Actually, NFC West. NFC West? Okay. Uh, NFC West, they... Let's see, they play... I had it here just a second ago. The Niners have the Eagles. Mm -hmm. The Rams play the Colts. The Cardinals host the Vikings and the Seahawks host the Titans. So, yeah, I think I'm going to have to go with that one, too. <laughs> All right, NFC West, okay. Because the AFC West has the Raiders play the Steelers, 
The Broncos play the Jaguars. Jaguars. The Chiefs play the Ravens. And the Chargers play the Cowboys. So that one's an interesting one. It's just the Steelers one that holds me up. I don't I don't know if the Raiders are going to be the Steelers. So uh, the other one, I feel like they're all going to be heavy favorites in the NFC West matchups. So I will... I will actually take smart money and say no. Nobody does. No. Okay. So I, I didn't look at all of these all these matchups like in depth earlier. I did look at the Cowboys game. The Cowboys are currently a three point underdog in that one. So I don't think the Lions are going to be like are going to be that big. But I think the AFC West stays undefeated after this week. I think those are some good matchups for the, for them. So. So we have an AFC and an NFC and a neither. Yeah. So somebody's getting two points. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody is. Uh, Earl, do we have any flags left? Did anyone reach out to you? I still have a whole whopping 11. Whopping 11. Okay. I've still got some too. So guys, if you're listening to this, either on YouTube or later in the week, um, we do still have blackout night flags that we are giving away. So reach out to one of us on social media and uh, we will, we'll get, we'll get, get in touch with us. We'll get you a blackout night flag. Uh, probably meet up with you like Saturday night or something. So, uh, please let us know if you're interested, if you want one of them, we don't, we have, I think we've got like 13 left. So, um, so let us know. We'll get you guys a flag. So, yeah. All right. So there we go. So we had, we had you guys takeaways from the weekend. My takeaway from the weekend, there was a lot of bad football, NFL, USL, MLS, Orlando City, I'm not sorry. But, uh, you know, USL, there was some bad football. And, of course, New Mexico United went down to Austin. And they kicked, they kicked the crap out of them, right? Right? Yes! Right. No. They did, right? Oh, oh, wait. No, they. Yeah. you mean to tell me they went back to what they were doing before the Colorado Springs match and looked terrible? Yeah. Yeah, somehow we went down to Austin and decided to go back to playing a two-defensive mid-set against a against an Austin Bold club that has struggled to score this season despite having success the previous week after dropping JPG from the starting 11 and for whatever reason JPG and Michael Azira started side by side as defensive mids and United lost 1-0 uh, you know bat, you know I mean, Michael Azira gave up a penalty Late in the second half, United couldn't find a winner. I mean, we couldn't do anything. Like the first half, we sat back, and I, I've watched this match three and a half times. Three God, and a half. God bless you, Seth. God bless you. <laughs> I, good I, 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 I haven't watched understand. it the whole time. Yeah, there you go. I watched enough for all of us because I, I wanted to understand why the hell we played the way that we did. What were we doing, and why? Why did we make the changes? Like we made one change to the starting 11, one. And there was such a dramatic impact on how we played from Saturday against Colorado Springs to Friday in Austin. Yeah, Harry's got a great point there. Austin beat San Antonio and the Mexico United in a week. Like, and this was a team that, you know, that Austin Moles a team that, you know, Harry and I were talking about. And, you know, Harry thought that, bold to basically thrown in the towel they look like they had i mean they're they're getting rid of guys you know they're they, their coach they i mean they promoted their coach to sporting director they hired a brought in a new coach and you know things weren't looking good for this team 
They were on the downside. They hadn't been playing necessarily well. They're a, a terrible scoring club. And Troy the same. I you know I, I like to say trust in Troy. Troy is the coach. But I just don't understand. I don't understand this change. To me, watching it in the first half, it looked like we were we were content to sit back, pick up, you know, try you know try to defend, play on the counter a, a little bit. But how that's just how can you counter when you've got twenty yards between your forwards and your midfielders, and there's no co- connection going forward. And then you don't start the second half by bringing in someone that can bring in that spark when you're trying to put that energy out there. And yes, we looked better in the second half. We didn't look great by any means, but we had attempts in the second half. We had one shot in the first half. No, we didn't. One. It was blocked. The USL still counts as a shot. We had one shot, according to the website, in the first half. Like, it's Austin Bold playing at home. A team that has struggled to score more than we have. And I'm sorry. I, I'm, I'm, I don't understand. Someone help me out here. <sighs> okay. Here's, here's what happened, Seth. Men in black got to Troy and did the little flashy thingy to erase... <laughs> the Colorado Springs match because that is the only logical explanation for the shit show that we saw Friday night. We came on here a week ago and said, oh, it looks like we maybe figured some things out. Coach, we had an attacking threat. Guzman didn't come in until the second half and then, of course, he looked terrible in the second half. Surely, surely that the players-only meeting after the Phoenix game and then this led to Coach seeing the light when it comes to Juan Pablo Guzman. And then what happened Friday? 90 minutes of Juan Pablo Guzman, a steady heaping helping of back passes and turnovers and just a complete lack of connection between the midfield and the forwards, like you said. It has to be that. It has to be his memory was wiped from Friday. That's it. That's the only explanation that I will take. And if anybody says otherwise to me, I will fight them. It just, I just, it doesn't make sense. Like, I just, we, we were so, we were all excited to see Sergio get the opportunity when we had Casey on two weeks ago, Casey told us he wanted to see Sergio in that drop into that deeper role. Sergio and, didn't even fucking play Friday. Exactly. That's the craziest thing. Exactly, Sergio didn't even play. He was in the he was in the eighteen. He traveled with. Him. He was there. Troy didn't even sub him on. Like I don't. I just. I don't get it. We saw how well Sergio played. Troy even talked about the versatility and the verticality that Sergio brings to the club. And it looks so good against Colorado Springs. I, I just, I don't get it. It doesn't make any sense to me. Like the only thing I could possibly think of is that maybe the idea was to go down to Austin and you, I hate to say it, play for the draw, which is, I think is an absolutely ridiculous idea. I shouldn't even be thinking that that shouldn't be the thought process, but that's where I'm at. Like, Earl, Earl, we know you don't like JPG. 
we know that we, you know, we see it. You know, we, we all know that JPG is not the player he was even two years ago. He's not the player he was last year. And he's, ha- he has a lot of issues this season. Can you give us any sort of rationality for this at all? Like, I mean, again, I know you don't like him, but is there anything in your rational mind that says, let's take out something that was working and go two defensive mids? Well, the only thing I have rational that can justify why JPG plays so much is he is the godfather to Troy's kid. I'm just kidding, by the way. He actually is not the godfather to Troy's kid. You had me, dude. You had me for sure. I was like, I could totally see that being the case. I could totally see that being the case. He he has something on Troy that has to have him play 90 fucking minutes a, a, every week. And when he doesn't play 90 minutes, he makes up for it the next fucking week by starting again. I I don't have any rational reason why JPG is constantly in the starting 11. And when he's not in the starting 11, he still finds himself on the fucking pitch. Sometime after halftime, very early in halftime, not even like the 70th or 80th minute, like crunch time halftime or garbage time halftime. Fucking important time, like 60th minute, 55th minute, JPG's coming on and picking up a fucking quick yellow. I I don't understand why. I wish I did, and I wish... I, I I don't even know what to say. I don't. I wish there was a way we could ask Troy nicely on why the fuck JPG keeps playing. Well, I, I tried to ask. I, you know, I asked him somewhat nicely, you know, about JPG being dropped after the Colorado Springs match. You know, I, I tried to make it like, hey, JPG being dropped worked. Sergio had a great night. I just, I don't understand. Like, I get that that Juan Pablo is very technical with the ball. I get that, and there's a but time and a place for that. <laughs> I mean, Thank you, Earl. Thank you. Is he? Is he right now? I could see maybe last year, maybe, maybe the year before, but this year he has not been very technical so, with the ball. Unless you want to talk about him technically giving up a lot of chances for the other team. So Sunday, I watched the match, or 33 minutes. You started to watch it. Because- because Saturday, I was spending time with my family. Friday. Of, it was Friday night. Friday night and Saturday. Um, I spent two days hanging out with my wife. Surprisingly, she didn't fucking kill me. Um, I am still alive. Um, I do still have my ring on, so I'm not divorced yet. Um, and I watched 33 minutes on Sunday. Of something that made me sick to fucking watch. Before we came on now, I was trying to watch it, and I got to maybe the 55th, 56th minute. I didn't even get to the penalty yet. Um, and immediately, <laughs> there's four notes that I wrote down. JPD does not does a lot of moving, but defenders are not fooled by him because he's just running back and forth like a fucking idiot. Um, <laughs> JPG does not attack the ball when it's coming towards him. He lets it come to him, and then he tries to figure out what the fuck's next. JPG separates himself from the play, which essentially just kills the fucking offense. 
There's times you'll see him in the back line for whatever fucking reason. You'll see him on the opposite side of the field when the play's over here in the midfield, whatever fucking reason. And JPG is always looking backfield to pass the ball back instead of a goal-scoring opportunity, which we had multiple times with Weehan coming into the box, but JPG passes it to the back or passes it to Tambakis. And I don't fucking understand, and I am getting frustrated by just talking about him. So by all means, if you want to fucking segue to something different, like cornbread or fucking candy corn, I'll be okay with that. There were two instances where JPG got the ball just on the Austin or our side of the pitch. Austin's I don't I get that confused. Our side is the side we're attacking, right? Yes. Okay. Thanks for the feedback guys. I appreciate you just leaving me hanging like that. So <laughs> sorry. You got the ball. I'm on mute. So no. You got the ball. So our side is the side that our goalkeeper's on. We're attacking okay. their side. Okay. Then you got the ball on our side. Just past midfield. You can see it clear as day that if he wanted to turn and make a Rebus-like run on the goal that Sugg scored against Colorado Springs, there was all the space in the world to do that. Two times in like the first 15 minutes. And he passed it back or sideways to a guy that had a guy a defender right in front of him. And both of those times, luckily my wife and my kids were out of town and I was watching it in an empty house by myself aside from the dog and the cat who both looked at me funny at this next moment. The second time he did it, I literally threw a pillow at the window. Not the TV, because the TV is worth way more than a window. I literally threw the pillow at the window and screamed, go fucking forward. Much louder than that. And that that little incident right there pretty much summarizes the Juan Pablo Guzman experience Especially, especially... See, we've been bagging on this all season, right? But for us to actually get a glimpse, just a small 70-minute glimpse against Colorado Springs of what life could be like if we had somebody there that actually tried to attack. Because we had that small 70-minute glimpse, it made Friday that much more infuriating because... We saw what would happen if somebody in one public Guzman's position that actually would attack. We saw what that could do. And it led to a beautiful goal by Suggs. And now, the first Rivas, Rivas got the hockey assist on, on Weehan's goal. Maybe Guzman is in that position. But Guzman doesn't make that pass. So he might be exactly where Rivas is standing at that particular time, but I don't think he sees that pass. So to just have somebody that sees the field, sees the pitch from a mindset of, we need to get the ball in their net. What can I do with this ball at my feet to do that? And gives us the best opportunity to do that. To Guzman, whose thought process is, we have to keep the ball out of this other team's net. How can I make it to where they almost score, but my keeper saves my ass? 
those were the two thought processes that I saw different between him and Rivas. And I don't understand how anybody on the coaching staff could look at the difference there between those two and think, yeah, Guzman for 90 minutes with Azira, that's a good idea. Let's do that. Let's let's do that for sure. I, I don't I don't get it. And it is this is by far the closest I have been to the hashtag Troy out movement. I still love Troy. I don't want him to lose his job. I just want him to realize that you have a better option than Guzman in that position. Play Rivas there. We don't have a whole lot of... We there's no open cup. There's no... Any other competitions going on right now. So you have... Where are we here? We have the 18th, and then the 22nd, and then the 25th. And then we have a week off, and then Wednesday, Saturday, and then a week off, and then Wednesday, Saturday, and then a week off. Rivas can play that position in all of those matches. I don't care. Run him into the ground because he's our only hope. I honestly think that you could put Illich, you could put Sandoval, you could put Moreno, Weehan, any combination of two of those three up on top. And as long as Rivas is the one pulling the strings in Guzman's spot, I think our offense will be great. So I don't care how much you rotate the squad around that. Rivas and Azira, Rivas, and even if it's Rivas and Guzman, and Guzman plays Azira's role from the Colorado Springs match, that's okay. Rivas and Tenari, I don't care. Rivas and Isidro, I don't care. It just cannot be Guzman and Azira or Guzman and Tenari again this year. You definitely, you definitely can't do that in a three-four-three. Like with the system that we're playing, like throwing two defensive mids in there. I mean, we were talking about you know a little bit earlier before the show. We were saying you know look at the how the U.S. men's national team played the other night. Similar similar setup where they had defensive mids in there and no one to to play that ball going forward. No one yeah. to fill that space in the middle. Mm-hmm. And you know, in this three four three, you can't sit out there with JPG and a zero. You can't because again, they don't have that verticality. They can't have it go forward. Now, if you want to play like a three, you know, a three two, you know, a three two, you know, whatever, three four, you know, no, put have a cam in there, have someone in that in that cam role, that that central attacking mid that can help be that link up there between you know the two defensive. Uh, three two. I don't, I'm trying three two. I don't know. I don't even remember what four. I had it figured out in my head the other day. Three, you know, uh, three four one two. Yeah, three four one two. Like, do that. Put two at top. You know, put have have that cam in the middle. Have that person that can drop deep and get the ball and go forward with it. Then you could have Juan Pablo in a zero or Juan Pablo and whatever you want to do. I, a zero. Put a zero and Tenari in there for all I care. I don't give a crap. Put a put a cam in there to help fill that gap. Put a fucking rhino in there, something. you'll probably get better results. Yeah, you know, then you've got something. You but you can't leave that, you know, that 20, 25 yard gap between your forwards and your midfields and expect to be able to go on the counter like we tried to play. Or, or try to, you know, have any sort of attacking vision. You just you can't do it. And we're all I mean, Stephen Ace tonight, apparently. 
Yeah, I just don't understand how you you find something that works so well, and then you're so quick to get get away from it. That's what I don't understand. The only thing, the only thing that I can think seriously, other than the man black flashy thingy, Rivas either was in trouble with the team or hurt a little bit, and he wasn't hurt enough to not be in the eight or yeah, he wasn't hurt enough to be on the report. But they were trying to get him a, a, a game off for whatever reason. Or maybe the coach looked at the schedule and said, okay, Austin sucks at attacking. We're probably, we, could, we can probably get a goal there, which doesn't make sense because Austin's defense has been very good. So you need more attacking players in there than, than anything else. So I don't know what he was thinking there. But maybe he was saving him. And the stretch that I just mentioned from here on out, Maybe he was saving him for that. I don't know. The, those are the only two things that he was either injured slightly or needed a rest or or he was in trouble of some kind. It was disciplinary. I don't know. Those are the only things that make any semblance of sense to me whatsoever. Because if you look at any other logic, it doesn't make sense. Not after the Colorado Springs match. Not after the way he he played. He was my man of the match. I know Josh had the counting stats, but Rivas completely changed the way we were able to attack against Colorado Springs. And so, just for that reason, he I gave him man of the match. And he did have an assist and a hockey assist, like I said. So, to come off of that match and then not see the pitch. And then not only that, but, you know... I liked Najim last year. He's kind of turned into a Guzman to me this year. He just doesn't seem fiery. He doesn't seem into it. He's been making poor decisions. Somehow he was the man of the match um, against Austin, which I guess is just because everybody sucked so bad um, that they had to give it to somebody. But uh, to, to have him play 90 minutes as well didn't make sense to me. The subs, we talked about the subs real quick. We had Schmidt come on in the 45th for Tete, which I think was Tete probably picked up a knock, would be my guess. And, yeah, uh, he did. He, he kind of picked up something right there uh, before and, the halftime. And so that that I can understand. But then in the 69th minute, when it's still nil-nil, and we're fighting for every point we can possibly get right now, including three points for that match, he decides to take off Wehan and Suggs who, aside from Grievous, were the best two players against Colorado Springs, takes them off. Now, he put Bruce and Moreno in, and I'm okay with those two subs coming in. Just how are you going to take Suggs and Wingman off? Wingman was the only player that looked decent in the first half, and he was just decent. Not good, just decent. So you're going to take Wingman and Suggs off and put a... Moreno, who just started on Wednesday for El Salvador, and Bruce, who you've uh, seemingly forgot about since you signed Narjim. Those two didn't make any sense to me. The Illich for Sug or for Azira, that was, that was him going, oh yeah, we need offensive players out there. What am I doing? And then making that sub. And so, I, I don't know. I It was probably the worst managed game that I have seen in New Mexico United, and I know others don't agree, might not agree, or others will say that it's been poorly managed all season. I'm not going to go that far. But but this one, I, I 
I don't know. I mean, we just are beating a dead horse now because we we just can't understand what the fuck we just saw. But uh, uh, listeners, if you're out there and you have a different take, let me know because uh, we obviously seem to think similar thoughts here, and and I cannot figure out what just happened. Well, let me let me ask you this, Earl. You know, going going off of Jacob's line of line of thinking, if the idea was to rest Sergio for the stretch of matches coming up, if the idea was to bring off, you know, Bees and Josh to give them a little bit of rest for the stretch of matches coming up, why not look at potentially bringing in guys like uh, Arm- Armando or Dane? Or you know some some of our academy guys and these academy contract kids, throw them in there. I mean, if Sergio did have a minor knock and you're going to sit him down, why not bring in one of these young kids? Why not bring an academy kid? Why not bring in Christian? Give these guys an opportunity to play. I mean, they're bound to give you more energy than some of the other guys out there. Like, I just, I, you got any thoughts on that, Earl? No, I don't. Um, like I said a while ago, I'm pretty damn sure that my great grandma, who's dead, by the way, um, had more energy than JPG. Um, like we said before, I feel like it could have been a tactical move to rest some of the key starters, such as Tanari, Rivas, Amando. Um, for this next 10-match stretch because they're pretty close games. I mean, you play the third, you play the sixth, uh, you play the ninth, you play the 17th, 20th, 23rd, and 30th. So, yeah, so they're pretty tight, close games um, in a matter of a month. So uh, that could be the option. I'm sorry, that's the ninth. Yeah, I said ninth. Um, So that could be what was going on was just getting some rest. But... To answer your question, no, I don't know why we wouldn't um, put in some of the younger stars like Nava or any of the academy kids that have signed their first team contracts or even someone that's been sitting on the bench all year long and is pretty much essentially getting the same treatment as what Sammy Sergei got last season in Touche. I mean, you have Touche. Why not play him? You signed him. Now, Touche is a defender. And our back line hasn't really been that big of an issue. I, I thought our back line has played well uh, most of, if not all season. Um, and I don't I don't know enough about Touche to say... So I, I don't know if he could come in as a defensive midfielder or if he could play in that Suggs role. He, he seems to be kind of just a center back to me, but... Who knows? So, yeah, he played. I remember that first preseason match. He did play defensive mid. So, and he fared pretty well, actually, against an El Paso team that still sucks, regardless of where they stand on the table. Um, so, yeah, so seeing Touche not come in or seeing or debating on whether Touche can play defensive mid or not is regardless because you're essentially have a defensive mid playing back line 
when Guzman decides to go hang out in the back line and have a tea party with fucking whoever's on that right side. I don't know. I'd, even even if that process of when we have seven games in October, we need to be ready for that and rested. This game not going to matter if we keep playing with this. It's it doesn't. It's not going to matter because we're going to be out of the playoffs. We're, we're not even going to have a chance. Now, I think mathematically, we're not going to be eliminated for a long time just because everything's so close right there in the, in that mountain division. But just morale wise. You know, if we end up losing Saturday and some other teams like Austin and Colorado Springs and San Antonio get some victories, then um, it's going to be a very, very hard uphill climb. And it might take a situation like year one where we took care of business on the last night, but we needed help as well. Uh, shout out Colorado Springs. Um, sorry, Harry, for the bad memories. Um, that I don't want to have that situation. I want to just make the fucking playoffs. And so what would have helped a lot more to me is winning this damn game in Austin and playing the lineup that we think should be played and that has shown the most offensively while, mind you, not sacrificing much defensively. Carver Springs, the most dangerous club in the USL going into that match, with Rebus as that center made, didn't scare me. They had an own goal, which was ugly, but wasn't, it wasn't like they had some beautiful lead-up play and then Hodgenberry put the ball in the back of the nail. They, they sent it across and it wasn't dealt with properly. That's all that happened there. So we had so much attack and didn't lose anything defensively. How are you not sticking with that? How are you making the one change that you cannot make in that position? You could have changed a thousand other things in my head. You could have put freaking Schmidt in for Ryden, and I would have been okay with it. Don't put Guzman in for Rivas in that situation. That's exactly what he did. He did the one thing that the majority of the fan base is screaming not to do. He did the one thing that was going to cause a reaction of why is Guzman starting? And I saw that at least two of those comments on every single post on social media, whether it was Twitter or Instagram or Facebook on the New Mexico United page or in the Mexico United Nation. Every post that I saw of the starting lineup had comments on it saying, why is Guzman in there? It's the only thing that you could have done to get that reaction is to put Guzman in, and that's what he does. Is he trailing us at this point? Is that all it is? Is he just trailing the Troy out, guys? I mean, if he's that aware of hashtag Troy out, I mean, then you know, kudos to him for playing you know the meta game there. But I just, I don't know. It, it just, it's hard. It's hard to understand. It's really hard to understand why that decision was made. And, you know, I, I mean, we were talking to you the other night. I said, you know, I've got so many questions that I want to ask. And, you know, like, as a fan, I want to be like hypercritical of it. You know, I want to. As media, I know that I can't be because I'm not going to get an answer out of him. But I just, I don't understand. I mean, I felt like we played, we played well defensively, start to finish. 
I feel like we played well defensively. You know, we limited their their chances you know, for the most part. Uh, we we looked pretty good at the back. You know, made some nice recoveries. Alex had some nice you know had some nice uh, saves or you know uh, some nice reads on some balls. And so I thought, you know, again, if we had that spark in the second half, maybe we could have done it. I just don't understand the logic of coming out with that conservative of a game plan when we know we need points. I just don't get it. And you mentioned earlier the uh, the USA match. Um, was it Wednesday or Thursday? Wednesday, I think it was. Um, that that gave me hope after at halftime of the New Mexico United match because. That first half of the USA match was the worst soccer I've seen played by professionals in ever, probably. Um, except for when I watch Arsenal play. Um, that's the only, that's the only time it might be worse. But it, he made, uh, Berhalter made the right changes at halftime, and it changed the whole dynamic of the game. So at halftime of the United game, I was like, okay, awesome. We still got some hope. Coach Coach obviously sees the difference between Rivas and Guzman. Coach is going to make some changes here. He's going to bring Moreno on for Cedro. He's going to bring Rivas on for Guzman. He's going to bring Schmidt on for Tete, and that's it. What? That's what we did. And then it just we never we we looked better in the second half. We did. But that's not good enough. Like, I'm not going to sit here and go, oh, but it's okay because we, we look slightly more attacking for 15 minutes coming out of halftime. No, that's not, that's not okay. That's, that's, it's just not. It is this club, both Troy and Peter and the team, the players, since the media day that I went to way back in March, May, April, April. I think it was April. Um... They have all been, we won a championship. It's all about a championship. We want to lift a cup. That's what, that's what our goal is. And for that to be their goal, and then to see these dumb choices, which, I look, I know I'm not a soccer coach. I get it. I have followed this team religiously for three years. And I know that Guzman is not the right choice to be in that position next to somebody of his similar ilk. You have to have a Rivas in there. You have to have a Moreno in there, a Weehan in there, playing next to them and dropping back and getting that and creating. But if you drop a Moreno or a Weehan, then you lose somebody up top. That's why it's got to be Rivas. And you got to have Moreno and Weehan and Sandoval up top. That's what it has to be. I don't, I don't understand it. And for a team that's preaching about cups... Man, we're a long way from a cup. And if it's going to be interesting if we miss the playoffs to see what Peter does. Because Peter wants a cup probably worse than anybody. And I could see him going, hey, this isn't working. We gotta figure something else out. So I don't I don't think it'll happen even if we miss the playoffs, but we can't be losing one nothing to Austin and having zero attack. The the halftime stats that I had were we had fifty four percent of the possession. 
One corner kick. Zero goals, zero shots, zero shots on target is what I have on when I took a picture of the halftime of the match that they posted on there. Compared to eight shots, one on target for Austin. We are the better attacking team. We have to be. We have to be the better attacking team going against Austin. And we weren't by a lot. Yeah, I I don't know. I just, I don't know. I mean, you, we can sit here, we can armchair coach, we can, you know, armchair manage, we can, we can, we can talk until we're blue in the face. And I think we've, I I honestly don't know that there's not really anything more to cover about the match against Austin Bold. I mean, we didn't play like we should have. You know, we didn't play as well. We we disagree with the lineup. We disagree with, you know, how the subs were handled. We disagree with the game plan. Something's got to change. Something's got to change for Saturday night. And, you know, looking at, I just, I honestly don't know. I mean, other than, again, just other than, you know, we've talked about taking JPG out of the lineup. You know, going being more, uh, attacking attack minded, you know, going, we have to go forward, but, and, and, and against a team like real monarchs, like we cannot be afraid to go forward and be aggressive. Do you, th- Earl, do you think, what do you think Troy's takeaways were from the Austin bold match? And how does he adjust that to what we, what we need to do Friday uh, Saturday night against monarchs? I'm hoping that he notices that JPG is not the answer. I'm hoping if even if he does stick with JPG for whatever god forsaken reason, um, he doesn't do it with Azira next to him. Um, I'm hoping he noticed that Rivas and Amando are two incredible players that need to be started and can have a fire that that goes beyond off the pitch um i i don't know that he saw that because like i said jpg baptized his son or his kid so jpg will continue to start regardless of hell or heaven or wind or fucking hurricane ida um, so unfortunately I do believe we keep seeing JPG because that's just a continuum of what we've seen all fucking season. Um, I, I really don't know. And I'm hoping to God that we don't see JPG start, but like I said, unfortunately, I do think we see that. Jacob, what's going to happen Saturday night, man? Two things: uh, an either-or situation. Either Rivas is in the starting lineup, and we win that game going away, or Guzman and Zero in the starting lineup, and we riot in the streets. Those are the only two acceptable outcomes from Saturday. Wait, is this like a promise? I yeah, I will pick it the next home game if Guzman starts Saturday. I will stand out front of the stadium with a sign that has Guzman's name and a big red circle and a big red cross through it if he starts Saturday. 
I know we play better at home than we do on the road. I know that we've looked better over the past few weeks. We, to an extent, like we, we played, we played unbelievably well against Colorado Springs this year. We've had opportunities in pretty much every single game to put ourselves in a position to win. And if we lose to Monarchs on Saturday, if we, I'm sorry, if we get less than three points on Saturday, if we get a draw, if we lose, like, I don't even want to think about what happened if we lose, but if we draw on Saturday, that's going to, no matter what happens, that's going to feel like a loss. It's just going to, because we can't lose to a team like that. If we draw or lose on Saturday, consider me pressing the panic button. I think that's fair. So, so I'm going to go one step further here. Or I'm going to change it up a little bit. Just a touch. If Rivas plays in the central midfield, and for whatever reason, we say we draw 2-2, two, two, um, we lose 3-2, something like that. I don't know if I'd hit the panic button. Guzman could start in the midfield, with a zero or Tenari, you know, typical of what we've seen before Colorado Springs. If that's the lineup that's out there, even if we win, I'm hitting the panic button. If Basically what I'm saying is if Guzman starts, I'm hitting the panic button because it shows a complete lack of ability to separate results from emotions from Troy. That is what I think is happening because I don't see how a soccer mind like Troy, who I'm, he knows more about soccer. He's probably forgot more about soccer than I will ever know about soccer. And so to me, I think it has to be, I have this, this Guzman guy who's been with the club for three years and is, has sacrificed so much for us and, and has just been a great team player, been there every day, uh, is a veteran. I've got to start him. I just have to. Emotionally, I have to start him. And if he's doing that, instead of actually looking at the results on the pitch, then that's a problem. And that is a reason to panic more for me than if we were to play the right process, as in Rivas is out there, Guzman isn't, um, or Guzman is next to Rivas, I'd be okay with that. But if, if Guzman... If the if the two central midfielders are the same two that we've seen most of the year in Rivas and or, sorry in Guzman and name name another player that's not Rivas, if that's the case, then I'm hitting the panic button before the match even starts because that just shows to me we're not going to learn from what we've seen, and it doesn't matter. What happens on the pitch? That seems to be the starting lineup that is going to play ninety-five percent of the time, and that's a problem. So, if Rivas plays, I'll probably freak out even if we lose. If we draw, maybe not. But I, I've got it right here, right here. Just a little. It's my panic button right there. And if Guzman's in the starting lineup next to Tenari, Azira. A Cedro, anybody like that, I'm freaking out. 
and I'm hitting it. I lost and say we win for nothing. <laughs> there you go. That's the way to go on them. I mean, Monarchs are sitting last in the division. They have a negative 18 goal differential. They're sitting on 16 points. And I can't help but think that we come away with three points here. Because not only do we need three points, I feel like this is a team we should beat. This is a team that we should not struggle with. And I mean, we shouldn't have struggled with them at any point this season. We just, we have to finish. We have to play aggressive football. We can't sit back, especially at home, 10 matches to go. 10. I mean, who knows? Maybe we go on a run of, I, and we win 10 straight matches. We pick up 30 points. We finish on, you know, 58, and we're all like, oh, oh everything's fine. No, we didn't. We weren't worried about this season at all. We didn't have anything to worry about. We have faith in this team. Looking at our remaining matches, you know, Loose City, we've still got so, RGV, we've got we've got San I, Antonio. I'm gonna, stop, like, I'm gonna stop you there because yes, I do have faith in this team. Only if JPG is not around. As long as JPG is there and starting, then I don't. I don't have faith that we can pull out three points with JPG making stupid boneheaded moves. That costs us every fucking match. So, yes, on one hand, I do have faith and I do believe in this team. And I do still love this team. And if I didn't, I would not have this flag hanging up. Or that one. Or this whole fucking wall right here behind me. But Or I wouldn't have ten fucking flags I'm trying to give away. But on the other hand, as long as I keep seeing JPG start for the third fucking year in a row, I'm going to not have faith that we can win matches with JPG. I wish, I, I wish that we could be in the locker room. I wish we could sit down with Troy to see what his process is, to see what his decision-making is about. What does he see that we're not seeing? You know, I want to understand why, why, why he sets the lineups the way that he does. And, you know, he'll always tell us, he always, he always puts out the players that he thinks are going to be the best fit or going to give us the best chance to win. And he, he, he'll always tell us that. But I want to see what he sees. I want to understand and look at what, you know, he sees when he's preparing ahead of other teams and deciding, okay, well, I'm going to start these 11 guys instead of, you know, giving someone else this opportunity. I, I want I want to understand more, but I, from what what I do understand is that we have to be better. I mean, we're on the verge of not making the playoffs. Yes, it's tight. Yes, it's yes. There's still ten matches to go, but I don't know. I just don't know. This club has to find a way to come together. Troy has to make has to make the call. And I mean, that being said, I think we win two nil on Saturday. So I have two different scores. Um, the first That's one, not how it works, Earl. listen, listen, <laughs> listen, listen. The first one is a JPG list score. And that's three nil. The other one is a JPG starting score. That's three, two. 
There was. Us. So you got that backwards, because <clears throat> if JVG starts, there's no way in hell we're scoring three goals. <laughs> we'll be lucky if we score one. But... Right, I'll stick with my 4-0. I'll have faith. I I think that that's going to happen at least some point this year. Uh, but I can almost guarantee you it'll happen in a game that Guzman does not start um, unless Rivas is beside him. Because I just... I don't know, man. Right, if, Seth, if you could make that sound, if you could type out that sound that you made a few minutes ago, the... If you could type out that sound, that's the name of this title. That's the title of this episode. It's just, I, I just, I'm, that's that's the name of this title. I don't know how you have to do that. What you have to do to put that as the as the title, but that's it right there. Because oh, that, I think that, I, I think the proper title is. Yeah, I mean it's basically the same thing. It's you can go. I, I, I mean, you could just throw it all in there for all I care, but that is. It it just it's so infuriating after the Colorado Springs match to be put in a situation like we should be sitting here going, oh, we fixed it, we figured it out. Rivas was the answer in that midfield. Casey Gasson was right all along. Put Casey on as an assistant or a consultant at least uh, because that guy knows everything, and we're coming off of two wins because of that. And and then no, Rivas doesn't even play the next match, so. We will have to see what happens, but I am cautiously optimistic that things will turn around because of changes made. And and it starts Saturday at 7.30 with Real Monarchs at the lab. Uh, I think all three of us are going to be there. Um, and, and we'll get to witness it firsthand if, if that's the case. Maybe it's just a thing where Rivas is only starting at home. <laughs> and and the away matches were going defensive. I don't know. I don't think we're in a position to play that kind of strategy right now, though. So, so we'll see. We've got ten matches left, I think. Yep, ten. Yep, ten matches left. To don't judge me. All right, I was counting already before you said yep, ten. So, and for all you know, you for all I know, you were doing what I do, which is when you guys ask me a question, I just go, oh yep, yep, mm-hmm. and I'm not listening at all. <laughs> so. Uh, Yep, sure. So yeah, ten matches, ten matches left for us to fight to make the playoffs. We are still in sixth place, I believe. Um, I, I honestly have been scared to look at the standings. How many points out back are we of a playoff spot? Four. Four. Um, that's that's what I thought. So it's an uphill battle, but you know we're, we have the teams that we have teams that we're trying to chase. On the schedule still, which means those are six-point matches instead of three. So, um, we'll see. We'll see. Hopefully, Rivas is in the lineup, and and we're coming back here next week talking about a four-nil win, and how surely this means things are going to change. So, with that, I think I think I think I'm about done as far as that is concerned. You guys got anything else? No. Earl looks like he's dead, um, and I don't blame him. Yeah, I, I, this podcast will be very interesting next week, no matter what happens. I can guarantee that. 
but I'm I'm almost positive that if it ends up being a Guzman Azira midfield to start and we draw or lose, um, I think I think this is what you're going to hear a lot next year or next week. Silence, because we don't know what the hell to say, because we'll just be all defeated. So next week, I, I kind of dug the eight thirty thing uh, because it's only ten o'clock and we're getting out of here. Um, so we might have to might have to consider that um, moving forward. But maybe maybe we'll be consistent. Yeah, let's split the difference and let's start at nine every week. And I think I think that'll work. So we've been getting the boys to bed about eight thirty for a while now, and they seem to be in a pretty good groove. So, so I'm going to call it here. I'm going to say next week at nine o'clock Mountain Time, we will be here on YouTube, and then a couple days later it'll be out on a podcast. Uh, we still got flags to give away. Reach out to any of us on social media, um, and we'll, we'll either hand deliver it or or send it out to you if you're out of state, like Harry is. And uh, yeah, that's all I got, guys. So join us next week, hopefully, hopefully with three points and a win, and at least leave us in the midfield. Um, and until then, guys, someone's in us. You've been listening to Somos Us, your source for the latest news and notes on New Mexico United and weekly discussions from around the world of sports. Each episode is recorded live on Tuesday nights on our YouTube channel and goes live on podcast platforms around the world later in the week. Our show is written and produced by Seth Bedoff, Jacob Terrell, and Earl Nieto, and is edited by Seth. All episodes are recorded and edited using Zencaster and Audacity.